Today I thought we could pray about obedience to God. I've got a favourite old hymn, Trust and Obey, which I sing to myself regularly when I'm out in the park walking. The kangaroos haven't caught on yet. (laughs) Um, Trust and obeying are linked. We demonstrate our trust in God when we obey him and we're going to struggle to obey him if we don't trust him. I've previously prayed about trust here and today let's pray about Obeying God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and your emphasis on obedience in that word. We can only imagine how different, how wonderful this world would be if everyone obeyed the Ten Commandments, a world where truly your will would be being done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for the wonderful model of obedience to you that we see in Jesus, even to his death on the cross. And we thank you for his repeated teachings about the need for our obedience to him. Father, please open our eyes to the consequences of disobedience, which we see repeatedly in your word, to take seriously your warnings about consequences. From Adam to Moses to Joshua, to the kings, through the prophets. Help us understand, Father, that until you can trust us to obey you in small things, you'll never trust us to work with you in great things. Father, we ask for your forgiveness for our disobedience. Forgive us for choosing to go our own way rather than your way. Forgive us for ignoring your commands. Forgive us for our lack of trust. Forgive us when we give in to the temptations of this clamouring world and follow what we see and hear rather than following Jesus. Father, we confess that on our own we know better than those who've disobeyed you over the span of Bible history. But we thank you for the hope we have through Jesus that we can be better, that we can obey you in all things, We can draw closer to Jesus and we can allow and welcome your Holy Spirit to work in us to transform us. But Father, obedience can sometimes be hard for us. Help us, Father, we pray, to overcome our weaknesses when we allow ourselves to become angry, to not forgive, to give in to this world's many temptations, to fail to love our neighbours as ourselves, and to allow so many other things to become more important to us than you are. Please help us, Father, to be open to your spirit. Please help us to be open and willing to his working within us, and please strengthen us in our desire to live your way rather than be swept up in worldliness. Please help us, Father, to fix our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ as the example of perfect obedience for us to model. And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen. Now we hand over to Pastor David. My sermon today, we're all in this together. The message of the video, title of the sermon, not Coke gives life, but Jesus gives life. And uh, the sermon's not about... Getting the top off the bottle of Coke, but getting the lid off God's bottle.
so that the living water of God spills out and blesses. Jesus said, the water I give will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So back to the theme today, we're all in this together. Yes, it's the COVID-19 slogan, but I believe it's the church's slogan. Now I want you to take you back to where this sermon got started. When I get up in the morning, it's not very long before I'm in a beautiful, warm, hot shower. And I just find myself spontaneously saying, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, hot shower. But then I think, hang on, it's not only God I should be thanking. I should be thanking the plumber, the electrician, the tiler, and on and on it goes. And the fact is, this very thing, God and his human family are everywhere and in everything. So after the hot shower, breakfast, cereal, toast and coffee. Thank you, God. Oh, the farmers, the bakers, the coffee grinders, the supermarket that sold it to me, and on and on. The plate, the cornflakes is in, the cup, the coffee is in, the spoon. God and his human family. You've ever travelled to Europe? The ambience of the cities and towns is just amazing. And I just say, God, this is amazing. You know, Trieste, Rome, Amalfi Coast, St. Tropez, Santorini, Edinburgh. Again, God's part and man's part. Church, isn't it good? A Sunday morning at church. Thank you, Lord. But the hot shower wasn't too bad. And then we got in the car, travelled on lovely roads to get here. We're wearing clothes. We're in a building with lights and seats, musical instruments, our Bibles preserved, printed, provided for us. Everywhere life speaks of teamwork, God and his human family in it together. The question, is God connected to it all? The answer is simply yes. Sadly, not everyone realises and recognises the God factor. Sadly, many people are just in it for themselves, just building their Tower of Babel, so to speak. Many others are loving, caring, lovely people, but they don't have a relationship with God. They demonstrate the fact that they're created in the image and likeness of God, but they don't realise that in him they live and move and have their being. They're not aware of the love and the life in and with God. All they do is drink Coke. They're not aware of the living water that God provides. What a difference it makes when we come to God through Jesus. God becomes our loving Heavenly Father. Jesus becomes our Saviour, our friend, our bigger brother, our older brother. The Holy Spirit filling us with everlasting life. No longer do we live just loving and living for ourselves, but loving and living God with God and our human family. The scripture simply says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now, as a result of this love and the living water, life gets filled With purpose. I just want to read to you what Samuel Chadwick said. Samuel Chadwick wrote 
of his own discovery of this divine energy, living water, in the following evocative way. Every part of my being wakened up. I did not get a new set of brains, but I got a new mentality. I did not get a new faculty of speech, but I got a new effectiveness of speech. I did not get a new dictionary, but a new Bible. Immediately, I was a new creation. With the same basis of natural qualities, energised, quick and reinforced into a bigger vitality and effectiveness that nobody would ever have dreamed possible. This is what happens to those upon whom the Spirit comes. The article went on to say, The Spirit produces results, varied results, which can be noticed, change lives, transform relationships, effective testimony, released talents. So now we live to please God. And this is what we're designed for. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Pretty straight. But here's the key truth that I want us to consider today. Colossians 3, verse 17 and 23. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. So now as Christians, we're born again into the body of Christ, but we don't drop the ball on everyday life and just preach, pray, prophesy, praise all day, every day. As Hans shared last week, we don't become too spiritually minded to be of any earthly use. Whatever we do in word or deed, whether at work or play, at home or away, we do it for Jesus every day. Here's a point to ponder. Jesus was both carpenter and Christ. Paul, the apostle, was both tent maker and missionary. They served God and fellow man fellow human beings in both ministry giftings. Have you ever noticed this scripture in Exodus 31? It's coming up. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit. What's he going to do? He's filled with the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit of God, with skill ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for of, of for work of gold in gold silver and bronze to cut and set stones to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship god's spirit inspires trading skills acts 10:38 this is one of my favorite scriptures Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. What's he going to do? He went about doing good. He just went about doing good. But he also healed all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. 
Spirit anointed God with him. He went about doing good and healing the sick. See, ministry gifts, serving God includes the prophetic, the prophetic and the practical, the supernatural and the natural. All members of the body serve God with their giftings. The preacher and the plumber, the pastor and the policeman, the teacher and the tradie, the evangelist and the electrician, the apostle and the apprentice. I want to read to you an article that is just so powerful and presents this message that's an important message for us all to hear. It's written by Pastor Tom Nelson, Christ Community Church, Kansas. The article has the title, Who's Serving Whom? With a lump in my throat, I feebly grasp for the right words. Confession may be good for the soul, but it's hard for pastors. At least it was for me. I stood before my congregation to make a heartfelt confession. It was difficult, yet it would prove transformative for us all. Admit pin drop silence. I asked our congregation to forgive me, not for sexual impropriety or financial misconduct, but for pastoral malpractice. I confessed I'd spent only the minority of my time equipping them for what they were called to do with the majority of their week. I had been perpetuating a Sunday to Monday gap in my preaching, discipleship and pastoral care. I'd failed to see from Genesis to Revelation the high importance of vocation and the vital connection between faith and work and economics. Somehow I'd missed how the gospel speaks into every aspect of life, connecting Sunday worship with Monday work in a seamless fabric of Holy Spirit-empowered faithfulness. Through prayerful study of the scripture, I began to see human vocation as integral and not merely incidental to biblical revelation. I started to grasp that faith, work and economics were woven together in the fabric of faithful gospel ministry. Seeing Jesus as a carpenter brought a new fullness to the doctrine of the incarnation and reinforced the dignity of everyday work. I saw more clearly how the gospel transforms not only the worker but the workplace and the work itself. It's going on for a little while, but it's good. Listen. On the day I stood before my congregation, I did more than ask for forgiveness. I promised that by the grace of God, things were going to change. Our language was going to change. Any hint of verbiage that connotated a sacred and secular dichotomy would disappear. Pastors would affirm everyone's calling and not just their own. They would abandon the language of full-time ministry as referring to pastoral and mission work. Everyone's ministry is full-time. We would see our congregants work as the, on the primary front lines of the church. Everyone's work would be regarded as mission. We are now deeply committed to equipping our congregation for what they are called to do in the majority of their lives. Our pastoral staff work hard not only to connect Sunday to Monday, but to bring Monday into Sunday. Our Sunday worship services reflect the reality that the gospel speaks to and transforms all of life. I think I'll leave it there. It goes on, but I trust you've heard what it's saying.
as members of the body of Christ, the church, we serve God with our various giftings in various ways. God's gifts are manifold, and although very different, all qualify as ministers of God. Come with me to 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God who works in all of them, in all men and women. So we're a team. We're a body. Everyone is unique. You're unique, just like everybody else. Distinctive, irreplaceable, unrepeatable. And we need to recognise and appreciate, encourage each other as we serve God with one another together. And we need to appreciate who we are. Be proud, please, content, committed to be what God has made us. In fact, you know, our presence and contribution can affect the whole body. Did you hear about the man that needed a liver transplant? He was a coffee drinker. Had his operation, new liver. When he came out of the anaesthetic, he said to his wife, I want a cup of tea. She said, you don't drink tea, you drink coffee. What had happened is the liver that he had had transplanted had come from a tea drinker. (laughs) We all affect one another. We also need to remember and live the, uh, the essential character quality of a body. You know what that is? As body members, humility. In fact, the Bible says, consider others better than ourselves. Now, I actually did an interview. What's the time? won't be able to read them all to you, but I interviewed 10 body parts. I've got time? (sighs) Let's go. This is their reply to me. I'm an ear. Sometimes I feel I'm just hanging around, but no use getting into a flap. The whisper is that I, the eyes have it, but I'm not going to allow myself to be flattened by what I hear. The facts are I'm in touch with the head of the show and I'm always first to know. I really think it's pretty neat to be the one who hears the beat. So simply say three cheers for us ears. I'm an eye. Although I've been looking around for a long time, I'm told I'll probably always be a pupil. (laughs) But let me suck it to you. I'm sure not blind to the fact that without me, you'd all be left in the dark. I'm a nose. That's a bit of a blow at times. Sometimes I think life stinks. Sure, I've been snotted a few times, but I really don't give a sniff. I just keep pushing forward and doing so have usually been first across the finish line. So I guess that makes me a winner and that's not to be sneezed at. I know. I'll do a couple more. I'll do a couple more. I'm a stomach. Sometimes work becomes a pain because of the junk that comes my way. But I have the guts to digest most things and I'm determined not to allow myself to get eaten up in my own juices. I'm happy to be a belly but go easy on the jelly. But one more thing I want you to know. I love it when you send down a cappuccino. 
I'll move on, Sam. Oh. Oh. I'm a leg. Sometimes I feel like I'm always running around for others. I get a bit tired at times, but I know I have to remain flexible and not get upset when others put me down and say, go take a walk. I'm so glad to have company only a foot or two away. The other leg and I stand up for each other when someone says, go pull the other leg. So many just talk the talk, but we walk the walk. I have learned not to limp away from difficulties, but to stand tall. So, so good to know I can always run to God. Okay, I'm going to miss out the foot, the big toe, the tongue, the hair. I'll go to the backside. <laughs> Some people think I'm always a bit behind, but when you get to the bottom of things, you could say, I'm the seat that makes the rest complete. Life is tough, so I cushion the ride, because I'm a backside. So, my dear, I'm content to be a rear. I don't mind being behind. Although I rarely see the sun, it's not so bad to be a... (laughs) Okay. Our responsibilities as members of the body of Christ. We're to serve by using our gifts in the household of God, that's the local church, and the wider world, the human family. The church base and God's backyard. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We'll call that 12. <laughs> Was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. So these guys, these ministry gifts are necessary and we're to thank God for them. What are they to do? Prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I believe that if we all serve, the body of Christ will be built up in maturity and in numbers. As we all play our part, we will see the body of Christ, the church, built up and grow in maturity and numbers. Now, I want to look at the church's responsibility in the wider world, in God's backyard. Acts 1.8, when you receive power, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, when we drink out of God's bottle of living water, we will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. So to get the top of the bottle off and let out the living water and fill people with eternal life, we need to be as witnesses. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Why, why did God send Jesus? For God so loved the world. And he's not so much talking about his creation, he's talking about the world of people. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that people wouldn't perish but have eternal life to be born of the Spirit, to become a part of the Jesus family, the body of Christ. Someone said, we're blessed to be a blessing. COVID-19, the message, isolate. The body of Christ, the message, infiltrate. Spread it around. Here's the challenge. Listen to this. It's a challenge, guys. The words Bible... Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. 
He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongues but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel with a scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. Here's the challenge. Our responsibility, every member of the body of Christ, filled with God's love, filled with the Spirit, filled with God's word, being witnesses for God, for Jesus, in our little corner of the world. Four scriptures that say it so beautifully. Firstly, 1 Thessalonians 4. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Philippians 2, 15 and 16 from the message. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light, giving message into the night. And 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You've heard my quote, be open for business. And if you're open for business, God will send the customers. But isn't it great? It's not about push and shove, but gentleness and love. Be real. Be you. And remember, it's the little things that can mean so much. I was up at the Coro Bakery eating my pie and rhubarb and custard tart. Very nice, but outside the window was this mother with a little girl, very tiny little three, four-year-old. And she looked at me and I looked at her. And you know how little kids kind of look shy and then they bury their head in their back again. And her little smile was so beautiful. And it went on, you know, for the length of the rhubarb and custard tart. She was watching me take every bite. I'd look at her. She, she was so beautiful. I'm never going to forget her. Now, she doesn't know she's a member of the body of Christ, but Jesus said, such as these are those in the kingdom of heaven. I believe little kids, before they reach the age of accountability, are part of God's body and they go straight to heaven if they die as a child. They can teach us what it's all about. Not about pouting and shouting. It's the little things. Sometimes it's just a smile. I was in Nice, France, and there was an older lady playing her violin in the mall. Everyone's walking past. And I walked past and thought, oh, Dave, you know, you haven't got much. But I went back and she's still playing the violin. And I just put a coin in her basket and she looked at me and nodded her head. I said, I'd just like to say, and I looked at her eyes and I said, 
God bless you. She stopped playing a violin. She became a different person. Her face lit up. She said, thank you. I said, the Parthenon, the Greek culture. And as I'm heading back to the bus, a lady came up to me, wanted to send me, sell me uh, a blanket. And, and she's pushing this thing and I said, look, thank you. It's a lovely blanket, but I don't want to buy it today. I said, but what I want to tell you is God loves you. God bless you. She changed from a saleswoman to like my long-lost mother. She just, she said, I suppose in Greek, I can't remember now, but I knew. What a difference. In Trieste, there for about a week, that's where my wife Narina was born, Trieste, Italy. And there's this lady in this little square every day. She hunched back, going around. All she did was groan. She had a little basket in front of her. And I looked at her and watched her for five days. And then the day before we left to come home, I thought, I've got to give her a little bit of money. So I went back and there she was. And as she came by, I dropped some money in her little basket. And for the first time, this hunchback lady turned like this and her face made me cry. She looked like an angel. Maybe she was. But that here was this beggar who just groaned and she just looked at me with this love. It's the little things. Now, they can lead to bigger things. But don't just think it's all about preaching, pushing. Jerry Cook says in his book, Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness. When people learn who they are in Christ and get released to minister, they will minister. It's the most exciting thing in the world. With God's help, shall we do it? One final word. Evangelism. Do you know what that is? It's the practice of spreading the Christian gospel. But have you ever noticed what the five middle letters spell? I'll take you there if you've never noticed. A-N-G-E-L. You know what an angel is? It's a messenger of God. As we drink his living water. We're filled with his love. May we be angels, messengers of God. Amen. Dave, I uh, really appreciate what you've had to say today. Uh, just love the way that you blend uh, wisdom and humour and God speaks through that. So, yeah, and isn't it great as we think of every element of our life as ministry, um, what what opportunity and what, what purpose that can give us. So uh, has God spoken to you today? Uh, if he has and you're here, tell someone. If, if you're watching on the stream, uh, tell someone or ring someone and have a chat. Um, yeah, don't don't let that that message um, 
fall uh, without impact and perhaps without discussion and uh, action. So uh, we're just going to finish up now. Uh, it's been great that you could all be with us today. We would encourage everyone that's here to stick around and have a cup of tea or coffee and a chat and just probably two things, uh, prayer and chairs. So chairs, it'd uh, be great if a few strong people could perhaps just clear and put aside the last sort of five or six rows of chairs to make some room at the back. And yeah, if you've come this morning uh, wanting prayer, uh, our prayer team is always available and willing to sit and pray with you about anything and that's just the prayer room uh, just as you go out to the right and then the first room on the left so yeah just encourage uh, if God's spoken to you today or you've come today uh, wanting someone to just be with you uh, and speak to God on on issues that that's just a great opportunity to do that so yeah wonderful wonderful morning really thank you Lord for uh, yeah just blessing our time together now and just just encourage you as you go into the week thanks very much see you next week